Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Craft of the Draft podcast. And you might also be joining us on the Inner Sanctum YouTube channel. Uh, we're lucky enough today to have a special guest, Tasmanian Devils under-18 boys coach, Jeremy Webley. Thanks for coming on, Jeremy. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. John T. Nathan, thanks for having me on. And I guess the first opener, some big, a big announcement last week, as everyone is now aware of where Tasmania have been handed their 19th. AFL license as the nineteenth club to get AFL license. What's you know what what is the feeling down in Tassie at the moment? How does it? What was your initial reaction? Even the boys, how have they taken it? And what's the vibe been at training and just around the club at the moment? Oh, it's one of excitement, isn't it? Um, look, it's it's been something that um, you know we've had um, many attempts to get our own AFL license and to finally. Um, See that come to light is is fantastic. So I think there's excitement number one, but also um, generally just some pride. And um, you know, Tasmanians are extremely passionate about their AFL footy. We're a football state, and to finally be um, on the national stage um, in a few years to come yet. But I think there's a sense of pride and excitement, to be honest. And from your point of view as well, you've obviously been in Tasmania your whole life, I believe. You obviously came through the AFL system via Tasmania. So you've sort of seen the ups and downs in Tasmania. You've been fighting for this for so long. What does it mean on a personal front? And, yeah, tell us about what that sort of fight for that 19th licence looks like in a more more historic sense, I guess. Yeah, well, I suppose if we start with the, the second question, look, we, I think that I was reading something the other day where I think our first... Um, our first charge, if you like to call it, or our first attempt was in 1996. If I might be mistaken, yeah. it might be one or two years off there. But, um, you know, I think there's been four or five attempts to, to get into the game and we, we've been unsuccessful. And um, it's just great to finally have that opportunity. As I said before, I'm no different to any other Tasmanian in terms of the feeling. Um, you know, the excitement, I just want it to be now. More importantly, the pride, I think, is the biggest thing for us. Like, um, you know, we think we're going to be able to compete on the national stage. Um, it's great to show Tasmania off, not just its its people and its talent here, but also our beautiful state as well. So I'm no different to any other Tasmanian in terms of the, the excitement about the opportunity that it's coming for us. And um, and not just for, for our program and, and, you know, people involved in footy, but, you know, children coming through, both boys and girls that have aspirations and dreams of about playing at the highest level they can and they can do it for their own state now. So um, I think there's some of the things that are, are fantastic um, around the announcement. And you touch on a couple of key themes there that I just want to pick up. You talk about being able to represent your state that the Tasmanians will now be able to do at AFL level and also the pride in Tasmania. I know one thing that you speak about quite a lot and others involved in both the boys and girls programs from an under-18s Tassie Devils point of view is the the pride and, and the values that come with playing for the jumper. So before we jump into anything else, sort of tell us about that. It seems to be something that you personally and as a club seem to really stress to the boys and girls that do get to do it. You know, you're the only club up until now that's been able to represent your state in a footy sense. Yeah, absolutely. And we were always, look, I think um, coaches are always looking, um, like there's game plans and, um, you know, you have talent that makes up your team and all those types of things. But essentially, um, all coaches are looking for, um, to connect their players in a way. And I think um, we have a fantastic opportunity through our jumper and it's we've got a map on it and we're representing something mm -hmm. that is ours and representing our own state. So we do a lot of work around connecting our players through that and, and understanding the characteristics around, um, you know, Tasmania's history. And it's a lot of it's around um, that really selfless 
team orientated uh, mentality and attitude. So that's something that we think that's held us in really good stead over the course of the last 18 months since I've been involved and obviously the due course of um, the Tasmanians history. But um, yeah, I think that's a really good way for us to connect our group together. Um, we've obviously got our, our regional hubs, three regional hubs being, you know, Hobart, Launceston and, and Penguin. So, you know, connecting those people together can be quite challenging, but I think we can connect them through um, the one thing that is constant with all three hubs is that they're representing the state. So we do mm. a fair bit of work around that and we take a great sense of, we take great pride um, in understanding what that is and putting that on show every week. Um, I guess, can you talk on your footy journey? Obviously, you were you were drafted in 09 and you had that experience growing up in Tassie and then making the draft. What was, you know, take, take me back 15 years or so, what was the experience growing up in Tassie and trying to make it as a professional football and, and what have the differences been from then to now in terms of how the talent and pathway programs are set up and how do you get, you know, how do you get to the elite level in Tassie? What's it set up like at the moment? Yeah, well, the first, the first thing you, um, you've got to be identified um, early on and you go through, um, you know, we do a lot of work. Um, like our talent managers do a lot of work around identifying talent and those types of things through local competitions and spend a lot of time on weekends at footy. And then, um, you know, we have development series through under-13s, 14s and 15s. Um, you know, we have involvement with the SSA um, program as well, um, which is a School Sports Australia program where our, our players go, or sorry, Tasmanians go over and represent um, through the schools program. So we have involvement with that and identification through that period process as well. And then, Essentially, your, your Tasmanian Devils, um, or spot your representation of the Tasmanian Devils program doesn't come until you're under 16 years of age. So um, then we go into the Div 2 um, competition as well, where we play um, the academies in, in Brisbane, Sydney, um, GWS, um, in both the boys and girls, and um, NT as well. I forgot NT, um, unfortunately. But yeah, we play um, those guys in the under 16s in both the boys and girls now. Um, and then obviously you progress into the to the uh, the Coates Tasmanian Devils um, program um, once you um, complete your under sixteen journey. So that's sort of how it's set up right now. I think um, you know it's going to be fantastic with the AFL license coming in to see um, how we can better that um, system moving forward. So there's a really clear pathway um, and a really clear direction to follow if you are a talented junior and you do get recognised early on. And I suppose the, the first part of that question, what was that like for, for you to sort of experience and how have you seen that progress in, in your role um, as, as coach now? Yeah, look, I, I followed a different um, journey through being drafted. Look, I, um, I, was very, uh, I was very small and probably immature through 16, 17, 18. So I, I had to do it the hard way. I, I participated in the Tasmanian Mariners back in those days, but I was yeah. only ever in the southern hub I never actually made it into the the final um the final squad so um I had to go back and invest time and effort into the my TSL um club in Clarence and I was lucky enough um to get drafted in 2009 through the TSL platform and we played a state game there which I was lucky enough to participate in and and played well in I think that um obviously helped me um one through playing, participating in that state game, but also um, my club Clarence were lucky enough to play in the grand final that year and win it, um, which I think definitely helped me. But I had to go, I had a bit of a different journey reaching the AFL level. I wasn't lucky enough to get drafted until I was 21. So, um, yeah, it was probably very similar setup um, back then to what it is now. Um, I think our talent identification and our, our sort of structure 
underneath our Tasmanian Devils is better than what it was back then. Yeah, and I suppose to, to extend on that depth with the with the introduction of that 19th licence, tell us about how that's sort of going to benefit the the depth from a talent pathway point of view, I suppose. We see with the jack jumpers, just to reference them, how, how much basketball seems to be taking off in the state from things you read. No doubt the same thing will happen with footy, with the identity it already has, let alone what it will now gain as a result of that. So so tell us about the, the vibe of junior sort of footy clubs when you are going out and watching and, and how you see that growing. Yeah, look, it's um, the reality is the more people you have playing the game, the more talent you're going to have right. And that, um, um, there's, there's no different in footy or basketball or any other sport. So we're really hoping that um, the announcement around um, the licence and granting us an AFL team is going to mean that we have um, our participation goes through the roof and we're going to hopefully have a VFL and VFLW teams in, um, in the not too distant future, which gives a really clear pathway for all our kids coming through. And um, at the moment, I think, um, and I, I might be need to be corrected here, but it's my understanding that our participation rate um, up until under 12s is, is um, really strong. And then we, we fall away a little bit. Um, we seem to lose people to the game and all those types of things because they choose other sports. Whereas I, I think having a clear direction and understanding about, um, you know, we, we're going to be in the AFL, there's a really clear pathway. There's a really clear pathway to follow. I think that's hopefully going to hold um, a number of players, both boys and girls, in our programs. Um, and we'll see the fruits of that, you know, the fruits of playing granted the licence and we'll have, um, you know, stronger participation through those teen years, which is, I think, is going to really be really important. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the talent hotspots down there. I see participation um, when you do some research. It comes up that Clarence, Hobart and Launceston seem to be the areas where their participation is the highest. Does that translate into into talent hotspots when you do get to that sort of 16s level? Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. Like we've obviously got the two TSL clubs um, in the north, in North Launceston and, yeah. and Launceston. They've been powerhouses in the state league for a number of years now, um, and there's no doubt that their one talent identification and development talents um, fantastic. And there's a pathway for for players to follow to reach the um, you know to make sure that they're following the pathway in terms of playing community footy, being recognised, potentially heading to a TSL club and then into the Devils um, program. I think that is, has been really beneficial. Clarence is, um, I've had a lot of involvement with Clarence, um, obviously mm. coaching there yeah. for five or six years, but Clarence has got a really strong zone. Um, you know, their, their zone is big. Um, it's a, it's a um, young um, zone as well in terms of there's a lot of the young families and it's a developing area and those types of things and they've traditionally been really strong through their juniors and if you look yeah. at their junior clubs both Brighton and Lindisfarne are the huge growing areas um, so yeah they've had um, you know a lot of success over the last couple of years with their draftees like you look at Sam Banks and you mm -hmm. know Jack Collins another one this year Fraser Turner a couple of years ago so they've had a number of players Tom McCullum and Cam Owen last year as well so um, they've had a, a number of players over the last couple of years that have, have reached the top level and been lucky enough to get drafted. So, um, and if you look at their Tercel senior team now, it's it's very young but a very exciting group. So, um, yeah, and it, it sort of ebbs and flows through Tercel clubs, um, depending on um, where the population is and how it's working. Yeah, and and what? So you say you say it ebbs and flows. Is that just part of the the natural growth for other clubs? Is there things that other clubs can do to sort of get up to speed with your Clarences and your Hobarts, like you say, or is that part of the ebbs and flows and the natural growth? No, I think it's part of the ebbs and flows. Yeah. Like I, I think most TSL clubs are doing a really good job with their, their you know their talent identification and and bringing young talented players through. So. Um, yeah, it's obviously there's a number of things that are associated with the makeup of your zone and 
and areas will go through ebbs and flows in terms of their age demographic and those types of things as well. So, um, yeah, I think all clubs do a fantastic job within the TSL and, and at community level as well about identifying talent and bringing it through. And what is the archetypal Tasmanian footballer that you've probably realised and seen coming through the, you know, coming through Tasmanian's development program and even now coaching it? What what do you look to get out of these boys coming through? Do you see a difference in the boys that are making it? We had Lockie Cowan last year, who I'm a big fan of, being a Carlton supporter, and he's been fantastic. And you just see that grit and determination, and he's just been fantastic. Is that something that's really brought up through the development ranks in Tassie? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Look, I, I think there's um, – well, firstly, I think that um, – and I've only been in a role um, 18 months now, but um, – the first thing I noticed when I got the role was that um, players come into our program having a really good understanding around um, what it takes to make a, a good team. Um, and also they have a really clear understanding around the game and they have good football brains. Um, so that's a credit to um, their junior coaches and their senior coaches coming through that they're um, providing that resource for, for them and their knowledge. So I think what you'll see with Lockie, um, you know, Seth Campbell, Tom McCullum, Sam Banks, like they're very... Um, they're ed very educated. They have a really solid understanding of the game and they know how it needs to be played. And um, there's no doubt, look, Lockie's a prime example. He's got some opportunity at AFL level in his first year, but his, his contest and defence stuff has been outstanding. He just looks like an AFL player now. Um, and there's no doubt that having a really clear... Like, obviously, you need the physical attributes and um, the physical skill, but also um, you need to make sure, you know, you've got, you've got to have the right personality, you've got to have a really clear um, understanding around how the game is played. And um, I think that's one thing that I've noticed um, in my first 18 months here is that all the boys that come in and girls that come into our program understand um, what we're trying to achieve and they have really good game understanding and game knowledge. No doubt something that would need to be, I suppose, no doubt an important factor behind those boys' growth and also the girls that are coming through as well would be having coaches that are all on the same page. I suppose another element of this is mm. the the coaching depth down there. What does that sort of look like? Tell, tell us about, give us an insight into into that. Yeah, look, I think the, the coaching um, talent down here is um, very good. Um, you know, we've got very good coaches in the Devils program that have got a lot of experience and some AFL content as well. And then, you know, you look around um, the TSL programs, you've got Mitch Law, who was drafted to to Hawthorne, and he's um, come back and invested time in the state. He's won four or five premierships. Um, you know, you've had Taylor Whitford and Zane Littlejohn in the last couple of years yep. that have gone over to the mainland and been involved in Brisbane Academy and, and Taylor obviously going and, and being involved in Melbourne. They're both coaching VFL clubs now. Um, you've got Peter Ryan at Clarence that um, has been involved in uh, Brisbane Academy as well at junior level and now he's coaching TSL. So Alan Christensen is coaching the Lawndale Footy Club. So there's so many great young coaches around the state um, that have got AFL experience both from a playing perspective or a coaching perspective as well. So I think the talent in terms of the coaching ranks is fantastic. Aaron Cornelius as well has been at Glenorchian and helping out Maverick Weller with the state team this year is is another one that's been exposed to Brisbane Lions. Um, he's been exposed to the Hawthorne Footy Club as well. So, um, yeah, there's no doubt that our coaching ranks down here are very good. Certainly, it's an impressive CV that you've just sort of read out. What, what sort of responsibilities do, do the, I suppose, assistants in the Tassie um, Devils program have given that you do have satellite hubs who operate like Vic Country, I suppose, um, clubs mm. that our listeners would be familiar with. What sort of responsibilities do they have given that they would have to run and coordinate those training sessions? 
Yeah, well, they're basically like a senior coach in their own region. Um, yeah. And that's how we treat it. Like, I lean on them a lot to, um, you know, although I send out training plans and have, you know, they have a clear understanding about what I want, the reality is that they control their regions and they make sure that they educate their players on how they see fit to, to one, get the most out of them, but two, to, to give them a real clear understanding around, um, you know, how we want the game to look and how we want it to be played. So um, they're essentially a senior coach in their own right, except for game day when they come in. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're, they've got their line specific roles, but yeah, they look after. So I'm very lucky to have Mav Weller on the Northwest Coast, who's obviously, you know, been under some outstanding coaches and had a, a great AFL career himself. Um, so he looks after the Northwest region. It's been outstanding through that process and Darren Crawford um, controls the north of the state for me in the North Hub, who's, you know, was involved in the Tasmanian Devils back in the VFL days and um, had an outstanding career with North Launceston. So I'm very lucky with some of the um, assistant coaches that I've got around the state um, and they're doing an outstanding job at, at this present stage in, in developing our talent and making sure they perform on the weekend. And I guess sort of the last talking point back on the talent itself, the boys, and I, I thought it was an interesting topic. I mean, being Tasmania, you are the only team who really has to travel by plane mm. every week. You know, you'll have obviously the Melbourne teams coming every second week. But mm. is that an advantage for the boys? Because obviously, that's that's realistic to what if you, if you're getting drafted, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to travel quite a bit, uh, especially if you're an inter interstate team. Is that an advantage you've seen in the talent league program that your boys do have to be able to perform to a high, you know, high standard? and reach high performance levels, even when they might have to get up a bit earlier each morning to make that flight and play interstate? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's got some major benefits. Like um, the first one is I, I discussed before about connecting our regions together. And um, we spend a lot of time at the airport together. And I think that's a great thing for us. And obviously hotel rooms and all those types of things and eating dinner together. I think that's really good. And it also gives them, again, it gives them that experience if they are lucky enough to get drafted. Or, um, or to go play VFL footy or play in the sample, that they get that experience of travelling and, you know, making sure that their routine pre-game and all those types of things is correct um, because they get that experience every second week. Um, and I, I do think it helps us connect our group together um, because we get to spend, obviously, a chunk of time together that, um, you know, other clubs don't get that opportunity to do that have satellite hubs. And I guess the last thing to really round it off, what should we expect from your boys for the end of the season? What are the goals from a coaching perspective? And even just, you know, talent-wise, what are you expecting out of your boys to round out? Still a long time to go in this season, but what are the main goals for you and the team? Oh, look, it's just uh, individually, it's about um, making sure that we're continuing to develop and um, we don't want to leave any stone unturned um, as an individual from an individual perspective. As a collective team, we want to make sure that we, we're bringing effort every week and we're competitive, um, giving ourselves an opportunity to um, perform well and, and show off the Tasmanian characteristics. Um, you know, we believe that if, you know, as an individual, um, you control your energy and control your intent for the contest and um, you look after the person next to you, um, that as a collective team that will we'll perform well and be competitive every week. Um, we've got a really young group this year. I think we every week we've had, you know, eight and 10 players um, of 17 years or 16 years of age. So we've been really excited about the talent we've got coming through. But um, I suppose as a whole, we're looking to continue to represent our state extremely well and um, and make sure we give ourselves, you know, we give each other an opportunity to, to put ourselves on show. Well, awesome. Thank you very much for joining us, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure and great to talk about this news in a different depth and perspective. We really appreciate your time. 
Uh, we'll be moving on in this second part of the podcast to the Vic Metro and Young Guns review. But thank you, Jeremy, for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries, guys. Cheers. We're now moving on to the second part of the podcast, which we were at the Vic Metro and Young Guns game, the first of two games of that Young Guns series. This was at Trevor Bark Grovel. There will be a second game, Vic Country and Young Guns, which, Jonta, you'll be at um, this week, this weekend on Sunday. Um, but we'll have a general chat about this game like we have previously with uh, the, the trial games a couple of weeks ago. We'll go through the players we thought performed well. Um, as far as we're concerned, the lists have been finalised, but there hasn't been an official confirmation of that. So when they are released, we'll obviously we'll just talk about it and just you know have a bit of a chat about who made it um, and who didn't make it and what we should still look you know who we should still be looking out for. Um, but we'll touch on the overages first. So Archimay, both Ted Castle, Paddy Cross, Jed Longmire, Archimay and both Ted Castle probably the two main talking points out of that game, especially both Ted Castle. Yeah. A bit of his background came, he's an NT boy, we, we found out, uh, and he played GWV Rebels last year, and now he's at Richmond VFL. Uh, but he kicked a few goals and was very lively all around, taking some good marks, and it was bucketing down rain pre-game, but it seemed to not rain a single second during the game, which was great for a viewer perspective. Uh, Archer May, also pretty impressive, I thought. Um Took some good marks, got in some good spaces, but couldn't finish it. Yeah, especially at that early stage. Probably. Yeah. But what was your perspective in terms of those overages? Yeah, I think those two that you, you touched on. Yeah, yeah. Brochad Castle had that sort of zest inside fifty, and, and Archer May showed some really strong attributes overhead. Paddy Cross won on the wing that I know the the coaching staff, the young gun, were, the young guns were really happy with. Obviously, it can be a difficult role to play, but he. He sort of played that well in terms of holding his shape and 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 width and and that sort of thing. But yeah, got into a lot of good positions and and won his fair share of the footy. And Jed Longmire, the time that he was on the field, you could tell that the young guns were a, were a much better team and um, certainly brought a, an element of leadership to that. He's playing Collingwood VFL this year. He's he's from Murray. He he played for Murray last year. Played one really good game against the Sandringham Dragons and and Paddy Cross is a boy. That plays locally at Nanaka in his Casey VFL listed this year, and last year he was a he was a strong operator in and under for for Gippsland. So they've all had talent league background, but I suppose to to move on to the the rest of the young guns that are still listed with the with their talent league programs, I think the standout from that point of view would have been Ziggy Toledo Glassman. I know we've spoken about him quite a bit, and I'm pretty high on him with his athleticism and, and that sort of thing. Kicked three goals up board and took some really nice marks. How did you see his game? Yeah, I, I thought it was very impressive when we're comparing it to the trial games a couple of weeks ago because I, yeah. I mean, we did chat about it. I, I sort of came out thinking uh, he's got the traits, but it just doesn't feel like there's just enough there. But I feel like this game, he really did show the impact he can have at his yep. size because that's the whole question. Does his will his size, you know, will it match it at AFL level? Because he's yep. not tall enough to probably be that key key forward. But he was impressive. He was uh, he was he kicked a couple of goals in the end, which is obviously what you need to do. Um, his position was really good and was being rewarded for his positioning as well. He was getting himself in the spots where the ball was coming in. And it was especially on a day where it's a bit unpredictable where the ball might go at times when kicking is a bit off. He was still finding the right spots to move and be presentable at the same time. Good contested marks at times. And 
couldn't really fault his effort, I think, and his performance. No, I couldn't fault his effort. I mean, even even his decision making was lauded by by the yeah. coach, which you know that's not a trait that he's necessarily um, has been lauded of his in the past. Uh, you know, he's got other strengths, but um, yeah, I mean, it was an all round strong performance. I think Will Elliott, another one in that sort of key forward mole of his role, he's obviously at. Uh, a lot taller than Ziggy Toledo Glasman, but um, a, a much stronger performance from him than what I saw uh, three weeks ago, I think, which was his first game back from that knee injury, which has kept him out of his top AG last year and, and had kept him out up until that point. Just sort of blew out the cobwebs, thought he showed some positive signs. He'll still build into the season, no doubt, and has a lot of improvement left in him as that raw player, but kicked a really nice goal at ground level where he sort of feigned to go one way, went the other, and and did it really cleanly. So yeah, I thought that was a that was an impressive sort of eye catching moment, and it was a good performance overall from him and and Levi Young, another one inside fifty uh, for the young guns, kicked a couple of goals, and his pressure was pretty good for a player of his size, and he adapted to the to the run of the game quite well, which is impressive for a player who has no talent league experience. Of course, Levi Young, the son of Colin Young, who's a who's a big figure out there in Perth, player agent as well. There you go. Well, I mean. That was probably from the Young Guns perspective. I think we've touched on all, if I'm correct. So, yeah, look, I mean, obviously it's... It's an important a game for actually both sides, considering this this isn't an official Metro team that played. It's still a deciding team in a way. So it was actually a very important game for uh, both teams, which you like, because it actually pressure on all, you know, in all areas of the game. Let's move Metro now. We'll, uh, we'll start we'll start with Jordan Croft on this yep. list. Um, four goals, very impressive. I'm not, I just thought he was, in terms of that tall leading forward, he was just doing everything right. And he was kicking him from very good angles as well, must I say. Like, usually the tall forwards, and we've, we've spoken about this, just love the snap. That just seems the thing they want. He was nailing drop puns from the pocket. And I think he kicked two in that matter. Very impressive game. I'd love to see more of it continue. I yeah. hope it wasn't a, I hope it wasn't a one-off because it yeah. was very good traits, but then you can fall into the trap of just you lose that form, you lose that momentum, and it feels you don't want to turn up once every couple of games and have that good game. But he was impressive. Your perspective on his Yeah, end? no, for, for me, it was probably the athletic attributes he, he showed and his ability to, to cover the ground and that sort of that sort of in and out step that he that he had that, that really sort of probably caught my eye. So it's as good a game as I've seen him play. So hopefully it's sort of up-leveled his game and he can sustain something around that level for the rest of the season. It was certainly an exciting game. A teammate of his at um, at the call to Cannons that I thought was also among the better players for Metro was Woody Taha. I know I've been high on him, but he's really good in an under midfielder. And then, you know, you talk about his kicking as well. He executed some some really nice kicks. There are a couple of kicks inside 50 where he hit a target exactly as he needed to, and he even finished off a couple of goals as well. So I thought that was a that was a strong performance from the Basha Hawley Academy prospect. And yeah, had him as as um, probably the best midfielder on the day or, or certainly in that vein. Yeah, well, I think something that's I think I've spoken about before is like separates probably those real high quality midfielders compared to your like elite midfielders is the ability to, you know, look inwards when you're yep. moving through the moving down the field. And that's something he's got his inwards vision, especially 
to find a leading forward, sometimes you can just have that sense of kick and hope, right? Just get yeah. it in, bomb it as long as you can. But he was, you know, looking wide, and that's something you want a midfielder to, ha- to have moving down the ground instead of that bomb and hope a forward's going to latch onto it. So, yeah, he was, um, he definitely stood out. It wasn't a, like his best game by any means, but it was like one of those games where it shows the traits very well, does what he needs to do. Um, and then probably segue into someone who showed his traits really well. And we won't touch on him too long, Archie Roberts, because obviously we've heard a lot about him. But that was just the perfect Archie Roberts game, I thought, in terms of holding his shape really well. He was always in the right spots to move the ball forward. And didn't get sucked in to move yep. forward as well. How to just held back defense first mentality. That was really yep. good from Archie. He he um he turned it over a little bit, but that's sort of forgivable given the conditions. He provided that drive that you really wanted. So yeah, himself and and I suppose Nathan Flakides. I thought Roberts was better than Flakides, but both of them racked up plenty of the footy. The AFL Academy prospects, um, a teammate of Archie Roberts, who's also highly rated. Will Brown um, showed what he can do as a big-bodied midfielder. We know how good he is at clearance, and he was able to go forward and hit the scoreboard three times with majors. So thought it was an impressive game on his behalf. Um, and I suppose you could move on to a couple of bottom ages as well that really caught my eye, uh, Zach Johnson and Luca Grego. Luca Grego just had some nice moments and Zach Johnson just has has that little bit of polish, uh, I thought, even even on the day, which which wasn't necessarily a, a day for, for those polished players, but also a tackle which really uh, probably caught a lot of people's eyes because it was right in front of that grandstand where all the recruiters or, you know, a lot of the recruiters and, and watchers sit where his opponent, can't remember who it was off the top of my head, just tried to zig, then zag and go around him and, and he just sort of stood his ground and got him holding the ball. So, yeah, just some really nice traits. Whether he makes Vic Metro or not is probably immaterial given his age. He's shown enough impressive traits and I'm sure he'll be there next year if he does continue on his trajectory. So that were probably two of the standout bottom majors. Isaac Kako hit up really well, maybe field kicking, let him down at times, didn't hit the scoreboard, but still showed enough as a bottom major, I thought, and no doubt he'll probably, I would think, be around the Metro squad this year. You know, I agree. And just quickly on Zach Johnson, if you weren't at the game, it's on baseline, that tackle. So there you uh, go. Yep. There you go. It's, it's, it is, I'm pretty sure it was on baseline. I've seen it somewhere else. So yeah, it was a good tackle. But it was definitely like in terms of anywhere it could have been on the ground, right yep. in front of recruiters, that is yep. like, yep. that was just great timing and great, uh, great position on the ground. Um, Let's talk about, I want to talk about Cooper Trembath. You brought him, you sort of talked, you were the one who brought him up a couple of weeks ago as one to watch, and I started watching him, and you see those draftable traits starting to shine, and pre-podcast, pre-recording, I said, probably was like, all he needs to do now is just show improvement. And yeah. he, might not, he doesn't have to have a standout game, probably as of yet. Obviously, you want it to start. Yeah. It does need to come, but now it's just about showing that linear improvement. And he did that. He was really good. Just one-on-one, I thought he just held his own. I mean, it was obviously with the conditions, it, it's hard to take marks as it is anyway. But yeah. uh, he was just, I thought he just showed that physicality, that pressure in the air doesn't didn't get caught, you know, over the shoulder, which can be, that just happens sometimes where defenders go for the punch and get caught over the shoulder. But he was just holding his ground really well, knows how to move his body well to win those one-on-ones. And if not win them, just bring it to ground and create a contest. Well, that's what I think he did really well, where he wouldn't have won more than 
eight or nine touches on the day, I don't think, yet it was still a really impressive day, particularly in the first half, where it was just little things that he was able to do, even shepherding for a teammate and that sort of thing, that you see that he's going to have the ability to do that with some of the, the body positioning and understanding of that role. So it wasn't um, like the round one game against Sandy, where he took seven or eight inches at marks, but um, yeah, still impressive nonetheless. So yeah, really, really uh, satisfied with what I saw from him. And, and I suppose to move on to probably the the other really impressive player from a Metro perspective. I think the final one that comes to mind off the top of my head is probably Josh Docking, just how clean he is. Uh, yeah. You know, I know you've been a fan of him and advocated for him, so I'll, I'll let you sort of take the lead, but cleanliness in, in wet conditions was something that was really eye-catching, and obviously playing his school footy at Halebury, I'm sure that will give him a lot of confidence going forward. They had a bye this week, hence the Taj Hotton and Charlie Harrop and these sort of players were able to play, Archie Roberts as well. Yeah, well, he's one. I mean, I sort of picked it up from, I think it was Sandy's, like, intra-club match, which is, like, yep. now, you know, two months ago now. Just that quick burst speed, evasiveness, and, again, good vision on the ball, which is what you need. And he took a while to get into it, I think, on Sunday. Wasn't his, like, didn't really, wasn't a start to finish, but when he got into it, he was into it. And I think that's actually something I've noticed now. He takes, he might take a bit, but once he gets his hands on it, he gets on it. Gets in a good rhythm, and he was really impressive. Uh, just good composure on the ball, took a good intercept mark as well. On I think on the forward fifty, I think it just missed that kick. Actually, the set shot he had literally just scraped the post. It was a very impressive kick. Yes, yeah, so um, right it was right in the like pocket of the forward fifty. Yeah, yeah it was. Can't um, underestimate how good that that intercept mark was. Yeah, it was uh, very impressive. I'd be surprised if he. Doesn't get selected, fingers crossed. I think he's done enough and yeah. showed his traits really well. Um, but I'm sure he'll continue to do that at school footy level and when he comes back to Sandy later on in the year, I'm sure that will shine as well. Um, and probably the another Sandy one that we probably can quickly mention, Charlie Harrop, was yeah. – I feel like I've had mixed opinions on him just because I'm just not sure if he's shown enough consistently, but I think – this game he did, probably he definitely lifted it up a level from the trial games, I think, and it's just it kicked a good goal actually. In yeah. from the, it was a it was a one yeah. of those sort of wobbly uh, snaps from a close it was close range, but uh, good spatial awareness as well. His ability to move up the ground was really prominent, and he was there when the ball was at gr- dropped to the ground. He was usually there and making an impact, playing a shepherd when he needed to. Good teammate traits as well as, as strong through as, the core as well and he, yeah yeah strong through the core but good teammate traits you say he's captain of Halebury so that probably shows that and I think he had some cricket commitments in pre-season which prohibited him from getting any sort of leadership role at Sandy otherwise I think he would have but um yeah that that they're probably the main ones like other players like Tarkin O'Leary had a couple of really nice moments and that sort of thing and, and I think there were nice moments from a lot of players even design enough on a day that didn't necessarily suit the type of player he was it was good to see Mitch Sipkovsky obviously highly rated last year get a run around and uh, Jovan Petrik played in defence usually plays up forward so there were a few other little tidbits from the day but I, I think we've sort of covered the main players Taj Hotton did a couple of things but yeah that none others that come to, to come to mind straight away as being real standouts. No, not really. In all honesty, actually, I'll quickly touch on Logan Morris and his ability to play up forward and back. I thought he was actually yeah. really strong down back, which I that's that's so good in terms of versatility at this age to be able to play both ends. Really, was 
just stood out. Like it wasn't a standout game for him by any means, but I just thought just a general note. Thought that was something to keep a watch of and something that was impressive. Yeah, he's done it a little bit at Western in the first month of the season, but we've obviously seen that he's kicked bags of goals as well, so he's clearly strung up forward. Well, that yeah, that wraps it up. We're we're learning to keep this shorter in in order to compact as much as we can, and we've we've done that, we think, right in this episode. Um, so we hope you've enjoyed. Big thanks to Jeremy as well uh, for the first half of the podcast. It was great to have him on, and it's a big news in the AFL world in general, and he's really the beginning of it all for these players. So that was a great chat. Uh, next week we are looking. Well, we will talk about Vic Country uh, and Young Guns game. The All Australian Under 18 team is rumoured at this point in time, but I think it will happen. They are meant to play Carlton's VFL on Saturday. Uh, so I will be at that if that is the case. So that will be half and half conversation next next episode. And then Carlton League is back, actually, next week. Oh, it is back it. on yeah. the – yeah, finally. It is uh, back on the Friday night for the boys. Danny on Oakley, we will be at that game, but obviously that will be in two episodes' time. We'll review that. Um, and for the girls, it is back on the Saturday with two academy teams playing, Murray and Tassie, on that Saturday. So um, it is back. We will we will do our tips again next week. So uh, thank you for all for watching. Uh, make sure to subscribe as always. Follow our socials for more content with players and coach quotes, etc. So uh, until then, we will catch you all in the next episode.